Welcome to the Business of Dance podcast, where we discuss business growth, dance education, creating your dream business, and falling in love with your studio all over again. Now, here's your host, business coach, educator, and owner of Dance Energy Studios, Claire O'Shea. Hi everyone, my name is Claire O'Shea and welcome back to another episode of the Business of Dance podcast. Today's episode is something I think all business and studio owners can relate to, particularly if you were a seasoned studio owner, which is the things I wish I knew before starting my studio. So along with all of the podcasts and the coaching that I do, I really hope to also inspire others who are listening who may have just started their studio or are thinking about opening a studio in the near future. Or if you are a seasoned studio owner, like I mentioned, I'm sure you will be able to, you know, listen to this episode and nod along or commiserate probably. But I feel like every business owner has experiences which they may not have been completely prepared for in the beginning stages of opening their business. You can research as much as you want and so much, but in the end, you will never truly know what it's like to run a business until you start one and until you're actually doing it. And like anything in life, it is a learning process and skill you definitely develop over time. So a little bit about my story, if you don't know, I was 19 years old when I opened my studio, sort of more, it wasn't on a whim, but I had always, I loved teaching and I loved working with students. I was doing my education degree at the time and my mum had called me up and just mentioned that there was a really cute little hall near our home and she just sort of said, oh, wouldn't that be good as a dance studio? And I went, oh, well, yeah, I guess. And then I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So I then started researching about, you know, all, and, you know, at the time I honestly couldn't find a whole heap of information. I don't think there was as many wonderful Facebook groups as there are now. And there's, there's, you know, there's a few amazing business coaches, but at the time I wasn't even sort of privy to podcasts or I didn't even know there was such thing as business coaches. Again, it was all learning curve for me. So I decided while I was doing my uh, Bachelor of Education that I would start just running casual classes and like on like two afternoons and I was like, yeah, I would have had two years of my uni degree left and so I was like, okay, well, this will be just like a little part-time thing whilst I'm finishing uni and I was already teaching for other studios as well and um, I made sure that, that was very ethical. Where I started my studio was like an hour and a half away from where I was teaching, so it wasn't a problem. And I spoke to the studio owners beforehand, just letting everyone know. But it took off way faster than I expected, which was awesome, but surprising and also a little scary. So it was a huge learning curve dealing with not only just the students, because that I had experience with, but dealing with the parents at a young age. I was super super anxious about anyone knowing actually how old I was which now I look back is so silly but at the time because I was um, you know self-conscious about my age and owning a business and being in charge I always thought people were talking down to me and some people were but most of the people that I speak to now why they came to my studio was because I was young and because that really the energy that I sort of demonstrated and my you know my young personality and everything was reflected that and they loved that energy that I was emanating so that was now I look back and I go oh well that makes sense but 
at the time I was still really nervous about it. So that was a little bit about how I first started my journey. It has been one of probably the the biggest challenge that I've done in my life so far and it has been wonderful it has been scary it has been devastating it has been amazing and now I have a business that I love and I adore I have team members that are fantastic I have a growing studio and I'm so thankful obviously there are days where like I'm sure like everyone agrees and can understand that I go oh my god it'd be so much easier if I just taught for somebody else or maybe maybe I should stay home and just do dog sitting which sounds so peaceful because the dogs can't talk back to you but it is still a challenge and it still lights me up so I know that it is something that I will be doing for a long time into the future and I feel so blessed that I started when I was young and had that massive learning curve at that age because it really has in my opinion set me up but that's not to say that starting a studio owner at older than 19 isn't fantastic either because I think you would already have then more experiences under your belt but essentially for me my studio has grown as I have grown and I can see that in the types of clients that I now attract as well as the way that people respect my opinion and the way that people communicate with me and the way that I work with my team and my teachers now and it has been a learning curve and I'm still learning but I hope that these eight things today is either going to make you laugh, maybe make some of you cry, hopefully not. Uh, and But if you are a new studio owner or you're thinking about it, this could be a really good thing just to listen to and just make a note of for when you start your own studio or if you want to start your own studio in the future. So with all of this in mind, and this is probably the longest intro in the world, here are the things I wish I knew before starting my studio. So number one, things can take longer than expected and expect the unexpected. So something to always keep in mind is that things can take time and some of the best things in life normally do. So even though, like I said, I had rapid growth at the start, it did start to plateau a little bit. And now I be just because, you know, that happens naturally. And then it was sort of a surprise to me. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing different? Because I wasn't doing anything different. But there is a couple of things that surprised me and sort of hurt my feelings, even though it wasn't a reflection on me. But I think that makes sense. Expecting the unexpected can be about growing your student list to building your studio venue or finding the right venue. If you have an end or due date in mind for a certain area when opening your studio, that should be always aimed and strived for, but be aware and ready for curveballs that may arise, whether that be, you know, council permits or a venue deciding they actually don't want you or you getting there and realizing it's actually not the right place for you. So anything can happen at any time. So being on or ahead of schedule is always a good thing. And that's not to say that anything can or will go wrong, but simply be open and flexible for minor extensions on a certain task or renovation or project. And when building a business, it really is a collaboration process at times. And maybe you are the only teacher, admin and creator of the business. But to those that you hire in the building, you, you know, tradesmen that you get or people that are designing stage lighting or whatever it is that you're needing temporarily, these are your team members. And so it is a collaboration process, even though you know, you might see yourself as a one woman or one man show, there is still people that you work with. 
if you were outsourcing or you're trying to get more tasks done, having everything done accordingly to plan at all times should be expected from those you outsource to or with. But again, there are many conditions in life out of our control and coordinating with others is a skill, and I'll touch on this later, within itself. So plan ahead, be prepared for anything and practice the art of patience. Tip number two is you will need help and you can't do everything by yourself. So similar to my last point, building a business is a collaborative process even if you are the boss or you're doing it by yourself. And it's so easy to say, I can do it all by myself or it's easier if I do it myself. But in reality, it isn't very practical. So even if it's, you know, having your partner or a friend or a studio parent or your mom or your dad helping you, there is going to be times when you have to ask people to assist you. And it is a challenge in the beginning, as you may have taken out a loan or on a tight budget, but getting others to help as much as you can can save you time and money. And so you can focus then on the bigger picture as well as the other 100 million little tasks that need to be done just from day to day, but particularly in the lead up to an event or an opening. Again, even asking friends and family to volunteer just for a couple of little hours, people love to help. And if it's if they can and you've given them the option to, something as simple as having someone paint a wall or set up a ballet bar or even, you know, cut out tags or so on sequence, something it can be so little, but people love to help and asking is generally the first step and it can be a huge weight off of your shoulders. And you don't have to spend a large sum of money to get what is needed to be done. Be aware that you will need help and don't stress about asking for it or feeling that you aren't good enough to do things by yourself. So you are being a wise business owner by doing so and asking for help and you are human. You only get 24 hours in a day and have two hands. So try not to stress and take each day at a time, but do ask for help and you will find it is a lot easier or a less stressful process anyway. The third thing I wish I knew before I started my studio was more about cash flow management. Like I said, I started when I was at uni, so it really was an extra thing at that time because I was living at home still, I was commuting, I didn't have a lot of expenses other than, you know, running my car and, you know, just the day-to-day stuff. So it is easy to feel overwhelmed when it comes to money and finances as a studio owner, especially when you don't have an accounting background or particularly like a a strong money or numbers brain. And maybe you think, you know, oh, well, it's just a small purchase, but you will thank yourself later when you really keep track of every cent spent, earned and so forth. So make sure you have a solid financial plan in place and a tracking system for your finances for your business. Now there is a heap of great apps out there and that is a really great way to keep a track of it through the month so you can see what your budget is and how you're sticking to it. And it is really, really important as well if you really think you're needing help with that. Maybe even approaching an accountant or someone like that to talk you through the the you know the basic things that you need to know can be so helpful and will you know save a lot of heartache in the future. One thing that I recommend is to keep personal and business finances separate if possible and also to make sure that you keep all of your receipts because that was a mistake that I made when I first started. And the last thing, yeah, like the last thing you want is when tax season falls around, you're wondering when this purchase was made and why and where and all of that. So make sure you sort of make a note of it as you go and you'll save yourself a lot of headache in the future. Now, I am not 100% certain how it works in America and England and 
anywhere other than Australia. But I, when I first started, I didn't pay myself a wage because, well, one, I didn't make enough money and two, it just seemed silly because it was just me. And then as I hired team members, I paid them a week, you know, weekly wage or their hourly rate. But I always just sort of lived off the money that was in the bank, if that makes sense. And I just made my purchases through there and drew money out of the business when needed. But not long after, maybe it was my second year, third Anyway, I don't have an exact number, but my lovely mum told me that I should start paying myself an hourly rate, even if it was pathetic. And I think, um, and I don't mean pathetic in a mean way. I just mean like in Australia, most teachers are on an hourly rate, you know, between 18 and $50, depending on where you are and their experience level. We have a quite high minimum wage. And I think I was paying myself like $4 an hour, like when you... <laughs> broke it down because I think we set myself like I'm going to make I can't even remember the number $200 a week or whatever it was but because I was working like a bajillion hours it worked out like $4 an hour which was obviously not ideal but it was a starting point because I didn't have a lot of cash flow in the business but it allowed me to plan it allowed me to kind of set out my goals and see how the business was going with doing that and now as time goes on I have obviously increased my weekly fortnightly salary I just sort of pay myself a capped wage no matter if I'm at the studio more or less and that's what I get paid each fortnight and you know I hope each year I can definitely put that up but then I by doing that when my partner and I went to get a mortgage for our house I'd already had like two and a I think it was like two years and like 10 months of being having regular wages and we were not allowed to get a mortgage until I had three years of like clearly working for someone. So if I hadn't started that, it would have been almost impossible for us to get a mortgage. So I'm so thankful that I did that at the time and it really did allow me to kind of get a better understanding of the cash flow within the business and I know sometimes when I when I when I first started it definitely made the profit and loss look really really sad at the end because I was paying myself that money but I had to really note that you know even though it might have looked better the previous year when I wasn't getting paid it's better that way and that you know you might get different advice and that's fine if it works for you but I'm just sort of talking about my experience and if you've had a similar experience I'm sure you will understand too but going to get a mortgage for a house is so much paperwork so that really helped oh and my last tip about cash flow management is you know to try and make sure you are turning a profit so keep an eye on your numbers and pay yourself please so you can know like how you how you pay others as well so if the business isn't generating enough income to pay your teachers and your rent as well as you well I'm sure I'm sure you're aware of this but then you, you sort of need to sort of assess your numbers and what's going on there might be some things that you can change like changing energy providers or finding a better internet plan or a better phone plan I actually have been spending a lot of time lately going through those recurring payments that come up um, on my bank feed and I literally have now saved I reckon a couple of thousand dollars a year just because there was a couple of recurring like memberships that I signed up to that I didn't need and I was 
you know, just kept doing it because I just sort of forgot. And then my phone bill was through the roof and because they kind of just changed the layout of the plant. Anyway, I changed hosting companies and it's a lot better. So just to keep a lookout for that and really ask yourself, is the business generating profit and try and work to generate profit, obviously. Tip number four is owning a business or a studio can be a lonely process. I'm not trying to bum anyone out. I just want to be honest because it is true. Now, in this day and age with social media, it is really fantastic to try and it it does make you feel more connected, which is so awesome. But in the beginning, when you start your business, it may just be you creating the curriculum, teaching the classes, designing ads, promoting your business and so on. So you may be in the class with students, which is awesome for the hour or, you know, the hours that you are there, but then it's back to sort of the quote unquote grind. So more time will be spent on your computer than you expect at first with research to have everything in place for your business licenses and insurance and tedious little things that sometimes we don't even think about. So it really is important, I think, to make time for you to try and find connections with other business owners that are in the similar field or a different field completely that you can really engage with and sort of sometimes sympathize with. Uh, There is a heap of wonderful, you know, business networks in different communities and sometimes you just have to look for them to find them. And I would encourage you to attend breakfasts and coffee meetups and breakfasts, is that breakfast? Anyway, you guys know what I mean. And coffee meetups and there's there's so many wonderful things out there. Feeling connected is super important to keep feeling inspired. So I'd really encourage you to have and try and find a biz bestie that you can roll ideas off of and really find people that you can talk with about these things. And with this, you know, saying this, things can change over time. So you know, you might then hire some team members and having them is so amazing and rewarding. But what I can tell you is that sort of loneliness is really worth it in the end. And you are building a business and it's a dream of yours. So no one said it was going to be easy, but no one can ever truly explain to you how amazing it feels when your vision comes to life. So even at the time, if it feels isolating, know that there is people out there who completely understand and try and connect with people who have been through similar things and just, you know, make awesome connections. It's fantastic. Point number five is all about how managing people is harder than I thought. So it can definitely be a challenge to coordinate and plan things for yourself, but it is a whole other process and whole other game plan when doing that for other people as well, particularly big groups of people. So you need to sort of, you can't be afraid to speak up and take action and you are the leader for your business. And if you want something done a certain way, you can put those systems in place and educate your team on them. And it can seem scary at first, absolutely. If you're not used to being the boss or the CEO or, you know, the principal, whatever you like to call yourself of a business or organization, but you you know, you need to be able to take charge and lead, lead from example, lead from the front and show your team members what you expect. Now, I found the best way to kind of counteract all the schedules and the timetabling and all of those things that pop up that can be so draining is really just trying to have, I know it sounds obvious, having things organized way in advance. And I mean like dates for team meetings the year before and 
um, you know, having all your curriculum and the, the layouts for their classes and, you know, when they need to submit music, having all of these dates really clearly outlined so that you can give them the expectations and then give them reminders in the lead up so that you're not disappointed when it passes or if it doesn't pass, if that makes sense. So it can be really tricky, even though, um, you find you want to find teachers that are amazing for your business and you you might but you might not gel with that person's personality and it doesn't mean to say they aren't a great employee or a great teacher but sometimes that little it can be tricky to deal with different personalities and as a business owner it is your responsibility to manage that now again if that's something that you hate doing well absolutely in the future you could have a you know a principal or a studio manager that more deals with the team members but at the end of the day being the owner you will have to step up and you know educate your team members and you know inspire them and lead from the front and deal with them at point <laughs> point number 6 is unfortunately you need to grow a thick skin from some of the feedback that you get so Again, you need to remember that owning a business is an ongoing learning process and there will be times where we may do things a certain way which others disagree with and it is hard to know what will come up exactly until it does sometimes and I honestly can say that I've often been shocked by something that I get an email about because in my head it is not an issue and to be honest, often it isn't. Um, but sometimes as well, some people think that people say, even though it you know, might hurt my feelings at the time or I might be shocked by or upset by, it, it is really, it is all a learning process, even from things that you disagree with and, and the things that you agree with. So it, it's, again, it can be a surprise and you, you know, you, your feelings do and will get hurt. And that's just the way it is, particularly if, you know, you, you really adore your students and obviously we are passionate about what you do, what we do. So it's, it's sometimes hard to sort of cop it on the chin, but growing a thick skin and not letting it affect you for days and days and days is really important because it can be so draining if you do. So, you know, like I said, we pour our heart and soul into our business, but we must remain open for positive feedback while not being able to take it personally if it is negative feedback as well. So all we can do is learn as we go and take each experience as a, as a way to grow. And it may be, be hard in the beginning when you create something you're so proud of only to hear someone criticizing it later on. But know when to use feedback as a way to grow and better yourself in business and when to not let it get to you. And otherwise, you know, if you constantly let it get to you, you are in for a lot of unnecessary stress. So be mindful of the type of personality that you have. If you don't like listening for feedback, don't ask for it. But off, but even when you don't ask for it, it will come to you. Generally, people will mostly kind of reach out when it's something not positive. But there is those people who take the time when they're having a fantastic experience as well, which is awesome. Point number seven kind of rolls on from that is that you can't make everyone happy. Now, I have, I have shared in the past and I have seen this wonderful graphic that says, you can't make everyone happy, you aren't Nutella. And I always, or chocolate, um, and I'm sorry if you're allergic to either. But when it comes to anything in life, everyone has their own point of view and opinion. And often working with children can be um, 
quite an emotive experience for some parents because obviously their children are so important to them and rightly so but everyone has their own point of view and opinion the way they like to do things which means that not everyone will always agree with you and you cannot please everyone all the time and if you try you will actually drive yourself insane so all you can do is your best and if someone is having an issue you know while you're providing that service if you offer solutions the best possible solutions for both of you and they're still unhappy like it might just not be a good fit but there does come a time when you may have to walk away and respectfully go ways go separate ways with a client parent or team member and that's okay too so as an example you may get a parent who is having an issue with something regarding your studio and if there is a reasonable solution you could both find then awesome that's great but sometimes you will just not see eye to eye and if they're constantly bringing you know thing after thing after thing and you aren't agreeing with them then maybe their your business is just not for them and that's okay as well and there is a reason your business has an ideal client rather than creating something for every single person out there so the more that you really kind of get clear on your goals and your values and who your ideal client is the easier it will be for you to attract those people and then hopefully turn off the people that don't go with that vibe before they even enroll. And my last thing I wish someone told me before I started my studio was to have fun and really enjoy the process. So I've, as I've mentioned before, things will have to be rearranged and may turn out a bit differently than you initially expected. But in the end, it, you know, it generally always works out. So perhaps the process of things takes longer than expected or more research had to be made and a different route to get where you wanted to go needed to be taken. But the point is that when you get where you need or want to go at the end of the day, it's awesome and you can relax. Now, as ambitious business owners, often we forget our goals and we don't celebrate when we hit them and we're always setting ourselves to the next thing, which is great. I can totally understand where that like mindset comes from, but I think being really clear on your goals and things and setting targets and celebrating when you hit them versus just setting the next one because else it feels like you're constantly chasing, chasing, chasing and that you can never settle. So there definitely will be times when you are stressed and overwhelmed and that is just a part of owning a business, unfortunately. But it honestly doesn't make you get there faster and it just puts a strain on you. So try and enjoy the ride and keep striving for your goals and dreams. I hope you enjoyed these tips and insight into what I wish I knew when I started my studio. It can be a big process in the beginning, but just take one day at a time and plan ahead. All you can do is expect the absolute best and be prepared for the worst if that could or sometimes may happen. Again, if you're looking to open your own studio or need help with a certain area of your business, I do offer free discovery calls to help redirect your studio's goals. So you can find that on our website. And I'm also now offering strategy calls to help with increased enrollment for 2019, as well as creating studio sign-up systems and strategies and an introduction to coaching package if that is something that you are needing at this time. And these are all, you know, fantastic value at the moment. We're running a bit of an intro special. So if you'd like to learn more about these strategy sessions, feel free to email me at info at claireoshaycoaching.com and I'll be sure to send you the info and the prices to see if that's within your budget. And I hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. I look forward to speaking with you all next week. Have a great day wherever you are in the world and I will speak with you very soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Business Advance podcast. 
For show notes and other episodes, please go to businessofdance.net slash podcast. To learn more about Business of Dance and stay up to date with all the episode releases, as well as lots of extra studio tips and tricks, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. If you have any questions, topic suggestions, or wish to be a guest on the podcast, please contact us at podcast at businessofdance.net. We appreciate you taking the time to rate and review us on iTunes and wish you a great day. Stay tuned for next week's episode. And until then, keep dancing your way to the business you have always desired.